Hello. All righty. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, Monique. Yes. Dr. Burke. Yes. All right, testing. Testing, you're good. I'm going to mute okay. you, okay? Okay. All right, now.
sound check. Dr. Kemp, are you there? I'm here. Good evening, everyone. Can you hear me? All righty, Will. All righty. I'll, I'll meet you. Jeff. Hey. Sound check. Evening. Are you there? Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Coming in loud and clear. Wonderful. All righty. Jim, can you hear me? Yes, Are I can. Yes, I can. You hear right, me? Good. You coming? Loud and clear. All right. Loud and clear. Now, I see a kicks FJHP and maybe Crystal. If she is, she needs to probably go out and come in because she hadn't moved over to the co-host room. Dr. Kemp, you may want to help with that. Okay. All right. I just um, text her. Uh, no, 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 no. I was just saying I just texted her because she was she was trying to get in, but I just sent her the invitation link that I was sent. Um, so she said she's going to try the link that I just sent her. Okay. All right. We'll ask Dr. Kemp to help. All right. We're going to meet. Seven, six, five, 
four, three, two, one. Good evening, and welcome to another evening of Dr. Cliff Burton Friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports, the HBCU Athletics. We have a special show for you tonight. I'm going to introduce my co-host tonight, Dr. Marlo Kemp and Jim Waddell. And then we have also coming back with us tonight is none other than my brother, Jeffrey Butt. So I'm going to unmute you, unmute you one time. Dr. Kemp, say hello. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Alrighty. Thank you. Jim, tell everybody, welcome to the show. Good evening and welcome to the show. All right now. Welcome back to with us tonight, Jeff. Tell everybody, welcome hey, to the show, what's Jeff. What's going on, folks? Peace and blessings. All righty. Now we're going to introduce some very special calls a little later on in about 15 to 20 minutes. We have with us from FBCLG, we have scholarship ministry leaders, Crystal Cole and Monique Travis, and we'll introduce them in about 15 or 20 minutes. But first, let's have a moment of silence, 15 seconds, and we're going to start, as we normally do, with some world issues. All righty. Amen. So we're going to ask everybody to stay muted. I'll unmute you. And when you talk, so we won't uh, talk over each other. Okay, here we are again. Jackson State University, HBCU, it seems like every week. First, Edward Waters, now, well, then Morgan State, then Bowie State, and now, just this past week, a weekend, a young man, Jalen Burns, a student at Jackson State University, was shot and killed. It, um, the investigation so far says that these were done, or this act was done by persons not belonging to Jackson State. But um, I'm going to come tonight to Jeff Butts. He's been in security for years. And Jeff, I want you to give us your opinion, what's going on on our college campuses, what we could, what can be done about it. Jeff? Well, it's a, you know, it's a real sad thing that's happening right now. Um, I think the main thing coming, looking at it from a security point of view is to take preparation before. Uh, oftentimes we wait for things to happen over and over again until it gets real, real bad and then take some, some precautions. But I mean, you have to, if you got to go to 100% access to save a life in particular, you know, at a young person's event or a school, you got to take those steps. It's better to, you know, do it ahead of time. You might save a life or, or an injury, you know, instead of waiting till it happens seven, eight, nine times and then say, okay, we need to take a, a harder stance on what's going on. So it's a real tough situation, Cliff. Yeah. Jeff, most of these uh, incidents seem to be happening around homecoming time. Uh, do you think that this is a, a trend or a pattern that our uh, students, or excuse me, our schools, security divisions uh, should be looking out for even more? Or what do you think? I don't believe in coincidences. So 
a trend or a pattern couldn't possibly be a coincidence. If something's happening, if, if you and I are playing a football game four weeks in a row and you score a 100-yard run every, every game, I'm going to say they need a drug test, Cliff, because it just doesn't happen the same thing over and over again four or five, six times. So there's something else behind this, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks a lot. Jim, just give me your uh, opinion on this uh, shooting. We got another one, Jackson State. Well, I will say this, Cliff. I just read they had, in, in terms of uh, Morgan State, they found one of the shooters and they still have a person in question that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. I saw that recently. But this, as Jeff said, it's happening too much to be a coincidence. Mm -hmm. You know, the, what, at least four schools where we've had shootings, a couple of them around homecoming events, mm -hmm. or just the week of homecoming. You know, and like Jeff says, you had to go to 100% access. We need to do something to protect our young people that come to college for an education, not to be uh, have to dodge bullets and, in some cases, lose their life over it. Absolutely. We'll stay on top of it. We'll keep praying. And we're going to just uh, keep bringing attention to this until one day, somehow, we can get this thing, uh, we can get this thing solved. So, again, we'll continue to pray for the young man's family down at Jackson State. University. All righty, let's move on. Our Women of the Month, Miss Florence Griffith Joyner. All right, known as what? Flojo. And uh, we talked about her early life and we talked some about her career. Let's just give you some things on her about as an Olympic runner, but also some of her controversies. We know she had style, we know she had grace, we know she set the uh, world record in the 100. And the 200 meters that still stands in the 1980 Olympics. But there were some allegations of performance enhancing drugs. And uh, after she shattered the records in 1988 U.S. Olympic trials, she became the object of suspicion when she arrived at the 98, 1988 Games in Seoul. Many athletes, including Jakeem Cruz and Ben Johnson, expressed disbelief over Griffith Joy's dramatic improvement over a short period of time. Before that season, 88, her best time in the 100 meters sprint was 10.9 seconds. In 1988, she improved by the time of 0.4 seconds, and we know our 100-meter time was 10.49 seconds. However, let's make it clear, there was never, with all the testing, any proof that Florence Joyner Griffith took any performance enhancing drugs. Jim, your thoughts. Flo Joe. Well, first of all, when you mentioned Ben Johnson, that was the same Olympics. He got caught cheating as he set a record, I believe, the 100 and the 200. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after her death in 1998, the chairman of the Olympic Committee claimed that Griffith Joyner was signaled out for extra rigorous drug testing following rumors of steroid use. And they said that she failed to, they failed to discover any banned substances during that testing. Mm -hmm. So they said, we performed all imaginable analysis. We never found anything. There should not be the slightest suspicion. Yep. 
but I'll always yep. remember for a one-leg outfit as well. <laughs> Jeff, what's your thoughts? Flow Joe. Well, first of all, I agree, Jim. I don't know why they talked to Ben. <laughs> he need to keep his mouth quiet. <laughs> but but the same testing during those times, I mean, 98, that, the, the testing was pretty thorough at that time. Everyone apparently got the same testing. Uh, again, they found nothing. Uh, what do you do after that? You got to let it ride. You got to let it ride. But it seems like this asterisk has followed her for a long time and will continue to follow her whenever they talk about the greats or the greatest. No doubt about it. I would love to have seen her today, though race against some of the runners today. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Jeff, you know, and, and please, this is not on anybody's committee. This may not even be the right way about it. As a fan, I said anybody can run that fast with anything in this system or out of this system, give it to them because nobody else on earth can and all the rest of them taking stuff too. Now, that is not the official nor the right way to do it. That's just me. As a Floto fan, <laughs> Chicken I understand. I understand. Poetry in motion. Poetry in motion. Poetry in motion. Hey, we'll continue to follow this story. Uh, we have a few more weeks with her. She's our woman of the month and uh, just a trendsetter. Florence Griffin, join her. Oh, yeah. We want to welcome the CEO of For the Love Tennis, Sheila, to the show. Sheila Townsman. And, uh, we're going to talk about another woman who has influenced in the finals of the women's WNBA. And we haven't talked about her. You don't even know she is, most of us. Her name is Miss Natalie Williams. Natalie Williams is the general manager, African-American, of the Las Vegas Aces. Okay? And she's been in this executive position for a few years. She's also a former WNBA player. So we didn't know this, but an African-American woman is responsible for the draft picks, including Asia Wilson, and help put this squad together that is in the WNBA Finals. Again, one of our top women executives in sports that we didn't know about. Jim, what do you think? Natalie Williams. Hey, she played, she was an all-star player in the WNBA, and she played with mostly Utah Stars, which is now the Las Vegas Aces. Yeah. They moved there. Now, she, she was a great player. And they yeah. say that the Aces every year, their goal is a championship. So she's doing a great job. Now she uh, needs to get some medical training, needs to fly Dr. Butts out there to uh, <laughs> get some of these players healthy. But <laughs> she does an excellent job in recruiting and securing talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's give it up. We're always proud of our women executives to sports. And Natalie Williams is one of them. All righty, let's move on. A Olympic gold medal legend, Miss Mary Lou Renton, 1984, won a gold medal at 16 in the women's all around. And uh, she has been in the hospital recently, had a severe, uh, rare case of pneumonia. But her daughter thanks everyone that she is um, starting to recover. Yes, and we just want to make sure that we and keep our legend. Jim, you remember Mary Lou Renton? Yes, yes. She was, I believe it was 1984. Yeah, 1984. Yeah. 
she was the star, had uh, a gold all around and two silver and two bronze medals. And she's one of the most popular athletes at that point. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, and you can tell about this there. The, she has a uh, strain of pneumonia that's uh, highly untreatable, but she's doing better. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 I wonder if her conditioning is still, of course, not at that level, but because of her past conditioning, playing a role along with the man upstairs and uh, fighting yes. herself, at least heading in the right direction. So we're going to definitely keep her in our prayers. Dr. Kemp is back with us here. Dr. Kemp, what do you think about Mary Lou Retton? And uh, she's she's been um, in the hospital, but they think she's starting to be on the road to recovery. A rare bout of pneumonia. Mary Lou Retton, you remember her? Yes, I do. Of course, I remember her. Um, she was a star, and our, our our prayers are definitely with her. Um, it's just I'm just interested to see what what rare form of pneumonia you know she has, and and the whole treatment plan that she's receiving. But it's definitely um, good to see that she's headed in the right direction um, and the road to recovery. So we definitely you know wish her well, and hopefully she'll be out of the ICU you know soon sooner. Then later. Mary Lou Retton for keeping the prayers. Now, basketball season starting up, and a record was already been set. Should have been known. Iowa's Caitlin Clark was involved, Nashville's College Player of the Year. An exhibition game against DePaul was played in a football stadium the other night, and the record for women's or attendance at a women's game 55,000 fans. Witnessed that exhibition. Of course, Caitlin put on a triple-double with about 34 points and 10 and 10. But the popularity of women's college basketball is going on to an all-time high. And I think people haven't even forgotten last year's NCAA Finals with Iowa and LSU. Dr. Kemp, your thoughts? Caitlin Clark, Iowa, and this record attendance. I thought that was so cool how they um, had you know, had the uh, the floor, the gym floor placed in, in the football, you know, stadium. Um, and, you know, they were able to play the game and then you record attendance, you know, and it was actually for charity, um, you know, for the children's hospital there in Iowa. Um, but it was, you know, really, it was, it was really cool. And they showed the, um, a picture of it and it had an aerial shot. But of course my team, yeah. DePaul, was almost came back on them, but I knew Caitlin was shooting the lights out. I can't wait. I can't wait to see her uh, this year um, play. It's gonna it's gonna be very exciting to see her play, especially when it comes up against LSU. <laughs> yeah, Jim. I mean Jeff. I'm coming to you, Jim. Did Jeff, you get us on Iowa? Did you Caitlin say? Clark. Did you say 34, 10, and ten? Yeah, something like that. Oh, that's not unusual for her. You know what? <laughs> well, you know what? They need a couple more like her, and those numbers will be full in, all around the country, man. Oh, that is definitely the right direction because she is lighting it up for real. Yeah, yeah. She should step all uh, like or as good as Steph Curry, <laughs> okay? And I'm gonna say that out front, all right? <laughs> Taylor Clark, let's get ready yeah. for another year, Iowa. Yep. All righty. We have some uh, news, and we're just going to go to the uh, 
the WNBA first, and then we'll come back to volleyball. Tariq Weatherspoon, remember her? WNBA legend. She has been hired as the um, new coach for the Chicago Sky. They had a pretty mediocre this year, mediocre year, and uh, Teresa Weatherspoon is now their coach. I believe she was um, helping coach down in New Orleans. Jim, yes. Help me out. Is that what she's coming She coming? actually was uh, Zion Williamson's favorite coach, down, uh, development coach down in New Orleans. And mm -hmm. rumor has it that David Griffin, you know, got rid of her so he could uh, try to influence Zion more. Wow. So I'm glad that she's found a place in the WNBA where she's a legend, New York Liberty legend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that Chicago's got some good pieces, but after losing Candace Parker, I think they took a little bit of a uh, dive this year in terms of uh, wins and losses. So I'm hoping that she can get it together and get Chicago Sky up to where they need to be. Yes, 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 yes. So. Let's give it up. Teresa Weatherspoon going to Chicago. All righty. We're going to go straight to the WNBA Finals because we want to get to our very, very special, special guest. We will come back to volleyball and update everybody next week. We won't miss a conference. We won't miss a beat. Let's get ready for the volleyball conference tournaments there in November. We'll have all the information for you. Let's talk WNBA Finals. I think they play game four. Tomorrow night, right now, yes. Las Vegas Aces are up two to one. Uh, they came out in Las Vegas, blew out Liberty in the first two games, and then they came into New York. And the storyline is the point guard, WNBA great Chelsea Gray, hurt her foot. They haven't been given any specifics yet. They have ruled her out for game four, and that could be a serious changer. I'm gonna come to Dr. Kemp, Jim. Jeff, what do y'all think about these WA finals, WNBA finals so far? Dr. Kemp. Oh, so far it's been good. It's been good. I actually thought um, the Aces were going to sweep the Liberty, um, but it's like the Liberty, they came out on fire. They were like, not in our house. We definitely will not be swept. And they definitely let it be known. Um, and it was just sad. It was interesting how when Chelsea Gray went down because the Aces were actually uh, the Liberty. No, the, I'm sorry. The one of the teams, I can't remember if it was the Liberty or the Aces, but they were coming back. Uh, the, the Aces, you right, was coming back and they were only down by six right before she got injured. And right when she got injured, the, the that changed the momentum of the game um, and the Liberty Liberty was able to, you know, win it. But um, we definitely, you know, wish her well. Hopefully the injury is not too serious, but they have definitely made it exciting. So we'll see what's going to happen tomorrow night. All right. Jim, your thoughts on the series so far? Well, the series is gone. You know, I figured that Asia Wilson losing out on MVP would light a fire under her, and it has. But the, the Aces are without not only uh, – Kelsey Gray, but Kia Stokes, the center, yeah. is out with a foot injury as well. So, you know, and I, we don't, we haven't heard anything about it. Will Candace Parker be able to play? So they, and they lost another player due to a domestic violence situation. So, Williams. yeah, they are really down. So we're going to see what, what they can come up with 
for these next two games. Mm-hmm. But as I said, started out saying I'm going to say aces and four, and I'm going to have to stick with that. Jeff, your thoughts, WNBA finals. If they go down 3-1, it's over. That's it's just over. my opinion. It's three out of five. If, it's three out of five. Yeah, yeah if they, if, I'm sorry, three. If they go down, it, it's over. It's over. The injuries, I believe, are too hard to come back from in this series. Mm. I think that's going to wait. That, that weight is going to be a little bit too much, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the guard play which dominated the first two games, I think that um, uh, uh, Liberty's coach made a key adjustment, two of them. Even in this game with Chelsea Gray in, in game three, she had Brianna Stewart on Chelsea Gray with those long arms, but also she put Laney on one of those guards, the other guard. Jim, what's the other guard? Uh, not the left-handed guard, not yeah. Kelsey Plum. What's our other guard for the Aces? Um, Jackie Young. She's real good. Jackie Young. And she put Laney on Jackie Young, who has the speed to stay in front of her. And I think Jackie Young was neutralized this past game. I thought that was one of the key adjustments by Coach Brandano for the Liberty. So, hey, tomorrow night, game four. Here we go. All righty. We're going to take a one-minute break, and then we want to come back. We want to talk to the leaders of a very, very important ministry, okay? The FBCLG ministry. We have two of the leaders with us here tonight. Uh, one of them is, is is Monique. We could get her through. And we also have Crystal Cole. We may ask her if she can't get through to type in the chat. But we'll be right back in about 30 seconds, okay? Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, teaching the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. Tonight, we have a very, very, very important subject we want to talk about. But first, I want to introduce you to these letters, FBCLG. It's a ministry. In June, scholarship ministry gives financial awards to eligible high school student graduates who attend two-year community colleges, four-year institutions, and technical schools. This ministry has successfully awarded more than 1,351,980 scholarships to approximately 1,107 students since its inception in 1994. And in addition to giving the scholarships and book awards every year, this ministry hosts informational events to assist youth and their parents higher in their higher educational journey. This ministry is led by Ms. President Crystal Cole and Monique Travis. Vice President. And uh, Monique, I believe we could get you through. Are you right? Hello. Yes. Monique, are you yes, there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? All righty. Good. Good. Well, first of all, we want to congratulate you. Uh, and let me explain to our audience. We met Monique 
Afish, I hope you don't mind us calling you Monique. No, it's um, fine. Okay, we met her at a college fair, and also um, not just Dr. Clay Burton friends, but Fisk University's New Jersey Fisk Alumni Association also wanted to make sure to tell you hello. And um, at this college fair, there were approximately 30 to 40 or so HBCU colleges. But what was so unique, this is the first year of having it. And also we found out about this ministry. It's one thing to introduce our youth to colleges, but it's a whole other thing to help them pay for it in a way that keeps them out of what we call debtors' prison, the largest prison in the world. So Monique, tell our audience, what does FBCLG stand for? And tell us all about your ministry. So FBCLG is actually our church, First Baptist Church of Lincoln Gardens, and we are part of the scholarship ministry. And as you stated, we give out scholarships to students who have been members of our church for at least two years and active in ministries for at least 18 months. Um, they go through a process where they have to fill out an application, they have to receive letters of recommendation, they have to have volunteer hours. So we're just not handing out money to students mm -hmm. we also want to see that they're performing we want to see that they're active in the church in the community that they are keeping their grades to a certain level and we have regular our general scholarship award and then we also have book awards our um, additional awards that people donate specifically to students and we also have a lot of people who donate specifically just for students that are going to hbcus as they like mm -hmm. to keep that tradition alive wonderful wonderful and uh, I have a question or two, and then I'm going to go to Jeff, Jim, and anybody who wants to type in the chat. And, and also, Crystal can answer as well in the chat. Um, did your church realize how important this is? Let me tell you what I mean when I say that, okay? The average Black college student who graduates owes $7,400 more than their white peers, okay? 23000 versus 16000 right? But more importantly, after four years, the black-white debt gap more than triples to a whopping 25000 In essence, it's one thing to get our students into college, but if they're having to take out student loans unnecessarily, rather than scholarship money, then they are headed to something called debtor's prison. It's the biggest prison in the world is student debt, okay? And I call it that. Um, so you're church ministry uh do you realize how important it is I and mean, you must to prevent students good students from going into debtors prison of course 100 percent um prior a few years back we used to do fundraising events where you know we would have fashion shows and um we would have um authors come in and talk about their books we would do different things to raise money essentially for the students but now the church is able to give money to the students. And like I said, in addition, we have book awards. So this year, I think on average, we try to give all the students about the same amount. Maybe we average about nine to 10 students every year. And they walked away with about like $9,000 each. Um, and that's very important because as you're stating, some people- Hold on, please, can I get you a clap? The audience up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. Um, it is important because as a sophomore, as a junior, as a senior, sometimes once you're in college, it's easier to get different scholarship and grants and more funding. But a lot of times 
especially black students just need help getting their foot in the door. They need help with the, cause we give money for the whole first year. So they get half in the first semester and the second half in the second semester. And, you know, they need that. Like maybe they're, you know, need a laptop or maybe they need help with the tuition or maybe they need help with, you know, traveling fees. So it's not just necessarily the tuition money. They're all other, fun, um, what is the word I'm looking for? They're all other costs that are included with, going to college, especially students who are going out of state where the cost is gonna be financially more of a burden for the student and the parent. So we're glad that we are able to get them started um, their whole entire freshman year, just not the first semester. And that we have such great um, donors that really support the students and keep in touch with them and follow them throughout their um, college career. And a lot of the donors we have are alumni and they like to link up with students who went to their um, alma maters just to keep that family connection going. While we're here, Malik, if there is a donor or potential donors listening, and we have folks who many on, on many platforms who would like, like to make a donation to your organization, how, how could they do that? Do you have the info with you? Yes. So you can go onto our church's website, FBC Somerset. Dot com, And within the website, we have a link where people can donate. And they'll if you go there, you'll specifically see a link to donate to the scholarship ministry. And if they have any additional questions, they can always just send us a personal email at scholar, FBC scholarship at FBC. Ooh, let me make sure I'm giving you the correct email. All right, slow it down, slow it down. We want to get it right. Uh -huh. Yes, scholarship at fbcsomerset.com. All so right. if you have specifics, if you want, if you would like to give a specific book award, you you can email us there, but also go to our church's website, fbcsomerset.com, and the link is also there under the donate um, section. All righty. And we right. make um, donations okay. all year round, um, and we give out our scholarships in June. Thank you. All righty. First question or comment, we're going to go to Dr. Kemp from Monique or, or Crystal. Uh, who can type in the chat the answer. Yes, hi, Monique. Welcome hi. to the show. Um, my question is, is there a deadline that the students, uh, what's the deadline that the students can apply for the scholarship? Every year is December 31st. Applications open up October 1st and they close December 31st, no exception. <laughs> oh. And like I said, you must be a member of our church for two years and you must be active in at least two ministries for 18 months. Wonderful. Wonderful. Jim, question, comment from Monique? No, I know as a person who used to run a foundation, a lot of times getting the word out is key. Do you have any pro do you, do you ever have any money that's unused because you didn't have enough applicants? No, we distribute all the money amongst the students. So if we only have five students, then we distribute the money again uh, amongst the five students. Okay. And I wanted to ask too, could you put the uh, website in the chat yes, I for can. donations so we can get that out there? Thank you. All righty. Jeff, who does have a young man in college, about to graduate, but uh, Jeff? Yes, good evening, Monique. So I'm trying to understand something, having experience uh, within the community, a church community, in terms of fundraising and donations, how did you guys go about encouraging the church members 
to, again, help in the fundraising or coming out of pocket, because that seems to be a big issue uh, in our churches, in particular mine over the years. So you might have 100% of the people, but 20% of the people are the ones that are coming out of pocket or assisting with fundraising or whatever it is. How did you guys go about that? So like I said, originally we would have fundraising events. So for example, our fashion show event was a big, huge success for us every year. People loved coming out. People loved um, supporting. Um, We had a Sunday in church that was dedicated just for scholarship where people could donate specifically to our ministry. And really people just love supporting, I won't necessarily say our ministry, but really love supporting the youth and love supporting the children going to college. So like I said, we've been around for 60 years. We're we're celebrating our 60th year. People see the work we do. They see how the students have gone on to be successful. So for a lot of people, it's almost a no-brainer, and they like investing in education, specifically people who have gone on um, in higher education. I understand. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Monique. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead, Cliff. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, Monique. Um, that's at the church level. I'm going to ask your opinion of uh, or educating the night on our universities, and we're talking HBCUs in particular. Okay. Uh, we also are struggling at the endowment level. Yeah. And just like alumni of your church build up those scholarship funds, many of our HBCUs. So let's just let's just go ahead and put it out here. Yes. We're in the 20 to 30% giving back, okay? And um, in order for our presidents to be able to go out and fundraise for endowments, the first question that corporations ask them is what percentage of our alumni give back? Mm-hmm. A dollar in a year, okay? How can we increase that amount of our alumni? Because I believe between alumni giving back and all of our churches following the example that your church is doing, we can help, and I'm going to say it again, keep our students out of debtor's prison. Sure. Every year that I go to black uh, HBCU graduation, when I look at our students, there's two things that go through my mind. I look at the class, I'm overjoyed. Students have walked across the stage. But I also understand that if most of the first generation and most have had to take out excessive loans. They're graduating with a degree, but into financial prison, the biggest prison in the world. And most still have to go to grad school. And some even med school, law school. You see? Yes. So how can we get our alumni at that level? What, what do you have to say about that? Well, I definitely agree. Um, I actually attended Tuskegee University for two years. So I'm definitely on the same page with you about HBCUs um, needing funding and how PWIs have millions of dollars, you know, in their endowment. Um, I'll specifically speak for, I'll say my generation, because as you're saying, when we graduated from college, most of us graduated with debt. Um, And then I, I went on to grad school and I have debt from that. And then, you know, people are trying to manage and maintain their everyday bills. So when it comes to donating, um, I think people may want to, but it's not as much. So let's say if you're paying, you know, you're you're already trying to get through your day to day life and now we have to give more. So I think some of us are looking like, hey, we actually need you. We need more help. 
um, so that we're able to give back. So like you're saying, decreasing the debt while they're in school will help them able to free up more money once they graduate. Um, also the alumni in general, like I know they have a, a lot of different alumni groups in different states. I don't know how to necessarily get people more active. And I don't know if maybe we should start at the undergrad level and maybe the alumni should try to connect with the undergraduates while they're in school. So that way they'll be more motivated to be active. So within our ministry, we're looking to reach out to our former recipients while they're in college to get them to be part of the ministry. So that way it's an easier transition and we can keep a hold on them um, once they do graduate. Um, also, I know like Tuskegee is a university, but we also have colleges. So some people may not do donate to the university, but they may donate to their specific um, college. So I think it might just be more of a financial thing, but also as alumni, there is a responsibility to donate, like you said, more than a dollar back to the school each year. So even if you just find a student, um, I know some people call Bursar at the end of the year, like during graduation, and they're just like, hey, I have, you know, $500, is there a student who needs to pay off their debt so they can graduate? Or maybe it's the beginning of the school year. Is there a freshman that, you know, maybe needs $200 to go towards their bill? So you may not give your traditional um, alumni fund like donations. However, there are still little things that you could do. So maybe you can, if you were a biology major, contact the school and say like, you know, is there a student that I can mentor, a student that I could help and um, give back that way? All right. Especially the, and, I, and if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, the smaller HBCUs, I believe, have stronger endowment funds versus the bigger universities. In, in, some, in some ways, you know, clearly um, Hampton, Howard, those two um, are very well endowed. Mm -hmm. uh, smaller ones, Spellman, Morehouse, but then, and, and I'm going to put it out there, uh, as an alumnus of Fisk, we're getting better, but, mm -hmm. you know, could do a lot better. And, and there's some others. So, uh, you know, that Monique, we're going to take a 30-second commercial. Jim, I'm going to ask if we could just hold off. We'll get the football in the last 15 minutes or so, but this is so important tonight. We're here with FBCLG, Scholarship Ministries, the president, Crystal Cole, vice president, Molly Travis. We got to help our youth go to school and keep the debt down. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. Tonight, we have a special edition. We have with us from the FBCLG Scholarship Ministries and a true ministry, President Crystal Cole and Vice President Monique Travis. We're talking about how to send our youth to schools with church ministry scholarships. This one is successful. Over a million dollars in scholarships given out to students from their church, but how all of us can duplicate that. And then in addition, how to increase our alumni giving back to our students and, uh, and prevent them from having to take out those mighty student loans and getting into 
I'll say it again, the biggest prison in the world, debtor's prison. We want our students to avoid it. Dr. Kemp, I'm going to open it up for you again. One for a question or a statement from Ms. Monique. Thank you, Dr. Burt. Uh, Monique, I think you hit it right on the head when you said that the students, you think is it's very important, you know, even if the students could actually start giving, even if it's just a little bit um, during their freshman year. I think once you start to ingrain into the students um, and, you know, their families and everyone that wants to help, you know, once you start, if you start giving early enough, um, you know, students won't be uh, you know, have such a large debt uh, by the time they are finished, um, you know, in um, with their schooling. And I think it was very important that you said that and you definitely hit it on the head. Um, and I also um, like the fact that you said that, you know, um, people call at the end of the year. I didn't even think about that until you said that, you know, just to help free up a student, you know, graduating or even at the beginning of the year, you know, some some students may not have enough for books. They have enough, you know, for the room and boards. But of course, we all know that went away to school. Um, you know, you don't have enough for books. You know, you some some families may think that they just give you out books, um, but we know that that doesn't happen. So I definitely um, appreciate you saying that. Um, and then just one last thing, could you share um, the your event, you know, that um, your church actually did and the number of students that actually came through to the 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 uh, um, the fair, the scholarship fair um, that you guys had um, at your church? I thought it was very, very um, informative yes. to the students and it was very um, organized. I like the fact that you all had um information about financial aid for the parents can you just share that information um with our audience yes, <laughs> yeah, so okay so kudos to crystal because she actually chaired that event and it was three years in the progress COVID kind of came and interrupted it um but her and her committee put together the event they worked really hard um, as you can see, we did have HBCU colleges represented, but also PWIs. We also had um, fire department. Yeah, the millets, different military branches there because we also want to, we also give uh, scholarships to students who go to two-year schools and also technical trade schools. So we want to provide the students with options because four-year schools is not for everyone and college in general is not for everyone. So we wanted to make sure that the students no student felt left out or didn't feel like they um, didn't have an opportunity to do anything past their high school years. Um, and then afterwards, we had a financial aid workshop after everyone was able to go around. So we, I believe we had over 200 students registered, over 400 people in total um, in attendance, and I believe over 100 people at the financial aid workshop. So in addition to giving out scholarships, we also like to have different events throughout the year where we can um, just prepare the students for college. Most of them are um, geared towards juniors and seniors, but we open them up to high school students in general because it's never too early. So we have like a college prep workshop 
that we do where we have speakers come in and they talk about different topics to help the students prepare. So again, we had the financial workshop. We're going to have another financial aid workshop just to help the parents go through the app, what to look for, what not to look for, how to fill things out, how to manage and how to prepare, because there are a lot of students who are first generation students. Yes. And they're either going to be going through this process by themselves or they're going to be having their parents helping them. So we want not just to provide them with money, we also want to provide them with additional resources that will just prepare them all around. We don't want our students going off to school and kind of just being lost and shocked. Like you're saying, they don't. we don't want them just signing, you know, all these loans and getting all this oh, money. They'll, they'll give you the loan and then by the time you graduate. Come on. Yeah, by the time you graduate, you're, you're in so much debt. And, you know, some, some of those loans, they don't let you decrease or your payment is not based off of how much you make. They're like, your payment is this regardless of whatever. And so you're trying to find a job, you're in debt, you're trying to pay. So it's, you know, you go from being really excited that you graduated to, okay, now what have I gotten myself uh, into? Yes, yes. Monique, uh, first I want to say welcome to the show, Fisk University's Basketball Hall of Fame. One of our regulars, Renee Spencer, she's here with us. And I want to, before I come to share with the next question, share this with you all. When you donate to an endowment or to a scholarship fund such as this, you're preventing not only the student loan payback gap difference between white and black students, which grows to 25,000 after four years after leaving undergrad, but there's something else. From the Department of Education, the default rate of black college graduates is substantially larger than the default rate on the debt for white students within four years of graduation. Hear me now, black students default on their student loans, 7.6% versus 2.4% of their white graduates. So when I say debtor's prison, once you get to where you can't pay that loan and you go into default, your financial, you are in prison. So again, the importance of us supporting our African-American institutions and our students at the church level, the endowments at the college level, prevents our graduates from going into unnecessary a debtor's prison. I also want to say welcome. We have 32 listeners engaged on the line beside the eight or seven in our studio. And uh, Jim, I'm going to come to you with the next question. And Jeff, or statement. All righty. Jim, I'm going to unmute you. And uh, I want to hear from you on this subject. Jim. Well, Monique, I'm glad that you guys have this scholarship ministry that's doing a lot of great things. One thing I had to ask is do you guys have to turn turn people away in terms of having more applicants and money or actually no um like i said we have the requirements so we might have the youth in the church but all the youth don't meet the requirements so like i say like so i was a former scholarship recipient and at the time when i graduated you just had to be a member of the church so you know, we had up to 30 recipients and the money was there, but now you're dividing, let's just say $50,000 amongst 30 students versus now that we have regulations in place, you're dividing, let's just say 50,000 among 10 students. So the students are able to get more and the money gets them um, further. We do have students that apply and unfortunately we do have to turn them away, but it's just because 
they don't meet the requirements that we're asking. Yeah. Well, let me ask a quick question. The government was talking about um, paying, not paying off, but just forgiving student loans. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? I want to be in the number. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have, yeah. I hear you, <laughs> I, I want to be in the number. Um, like I said, I have undergraduate debt. That is not too crazy. Um, but the graduate debt, I mean, you know, you go to school to advance yourself, but it's a cost that comes with it. So I really hope that they extend it more and don't just do like, oh, $10,000, like completely wipe mm -hmm. away debt because it is lingering. It does hang over um, your head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeff, you have the next question or next statement about this debt or any question. Yeah, so Monique, so with your ministry, have you guys considered or do you offer training programs for other other churches how to get their education ministries up and running so recently we've had other um especially at the college fair we had um i don't want to call them a vendor but one alumni group from the school they asked us if we could help them um not necessarily start up the scholarship ministry but how they could start up like have a college fair at their church um because they would like to provide those opportunities for their students and then just the community in general so we're we we had help you know another church helped us out and walked us through the process so we're more than willing to help someone else do the same thing Oh, right. So, so have you considered doing it on a large scale, training other churches on a large scale, something um, like that? That's something we can definitely consider and think about. Um, like I said, we've only been approached by like a few, but that is gotcha. that's definitely something that we can look into and and think I about. And I thank you for that suggestion. I got you. Yes, thank you so much. Monique Davis, sure. Crystal Cole, uh, from FBC LG, and uh, this has been wonderful. We'll continue the one I told you. Be patient with us. I'm here looking at the show's engagement. These are people who are in Podbean. And since we started, we've gone from three to 35. This is how important this subject is. And so if we have to limit sports tonight, we care about our students that much. Uh, Jim, we'll get to a few scores before we're out of here, but we want to make sure we tackle this uh, from all angles. We're going to take a minute break. and We're going to come right back. We're here with Monique. Davis and Crystal Cole, SBCLG. It's a ministry, y'all. Yeah. All right. Welcome back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports in HBCU athletics, and we give you a whole lot more. All righty. I want to say this, and then I'm going to come to you, Monique, to give us some closing remarks. And, and President Crystal, if you want to type in the chat, you can on this section, and then Jim will go straight into some uh, HBCU football to wrap us up. Um, coming up, there's another fair on the East Coast, New Jersey, New York. Philadelphia, 
the Malcolm Bernard Fair. It's in its 25th year. If everybody Google it, if you're listening for the first time, there are hundreds of HBCU schools. There are over 10,000 students that attend. And if you know anybody in this area, need information, uh, Malcolm Bernard Fair. Google it, you register, and let's get ready to go learn from colleges and learn about getting the money. Monique, any other advice you have for us? Um, this has been so important. We have to have you back. Also, tell your pastor, we say we thank you for this ministry as well. What's, it, what's his name? What's your future name? I'm sorry, I, I missed what you just said. Yes, yeah, okay. We want to just tell you thank you or have you tell your pastor, what's his name? Dr. Thank you as well. Yes, Dr. Quick. Dr. Quick, tell him thank you as well for this great, great example of a ministry. But what advice would you have um, just for us? And we got to have you back. But what advice would you have for us? Um, like I said, if you could donate and be financially supportive to college students, please do so. I also encourage people to mentor students. So whether it's at your um, alma mater or just someone locally that you know is in school, just grab a student and mentor them, whether they be in your fields or not. Um, I think it's very important for young students to have mentors to look up to, someone that's been in their position, someone's been in their school, someone that can relate to them, um, and just carry them along this journey because college is four to five years or however long it takes you. Um, it's a it's a, it's a journey. It's up and down. So don't ever get so far ahead that you forget to reach um, back. Absolutely. And also, Absolutely. Crystal just wanted me to, to yes, correct something really quick. Sure. So for the college fair, we actually had 408 students and we had 680 registered. So Ooh. this was our first year. Wow. Yeah, so wow. next year. We're hoping that number increases. <laughs> Hey, FBC, LG Ministries, we're going to keep in touch. Uh, yes. Again, that's scholarship at fbcsomerset.com. Is that yes. right? Yes, and I also Alrighty. put fbcsomerset.com in there for the donate button. For the donate button. Okay, and we'll keep it up. It'll also be on our site. I want you to hang around. Would you and Crystal hang around? We have a few more minutes. Yes. Are you enjoying the show? We yes. love having you. All righty. Thank you. 20 seconds, and we're going to come right back. Jim, we're coming to you. We're going to let you go to 905 or 9010. HBCU football. Jim, all righty. You're back, Dr. Cliff Burton, friends, featuring the absolute very best in all of women's sports and HBCU athletics. And now we're going to come to the men's segment, football, HBCU, pro, baseball. Jim, take it away. HBCU Sports Division One Top 10 rankings. And you, North Carolina Central is at number one. FAMU number two, FAMU's homecoming game this weekend has been moved off of ESPN Plus to ESPNU. 
so more people can get a chance to watch it. Coming in at three is Tennessee State. Four, Alcorn State. Five, Jackson State. Hold up, Jim. <laughs> we have to clap every time we talk about Tennessee State. Dr. Kemp. Yes, <laughs> okay. Keep on going, Jim. <laughs> Eddie George. Eddie George wants the fans to come to more of his games. They had a good game this weekend with Norfolk State and only had 13,000. So, you know, mm. keep an eye on that. But let's see. Number... Five, Jackson State. Number six, Southern. Seven, Alabama A&M. Eight, Alabama State. Nine, Prairie View. And ten, Hampton. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of Division Two, we've got, of course, Benedict at number one. Sorry, my computer is going a little haywire. Virginia State, who's also undefeated, number two, seven and zero. Virginia Union, number three, Allen, number four, Miles, number five, Fayetteville State, six, Tuskegee. In terms of our uh, buddy on the show today, who said she went Tuskegee for two years, they're number seven, Monique, I believe. Yes. Johnson C. Smith, eight, Fort Valley, nine, and Albany, ten. Now, the games of note would be, let's see, Tennessee State, like I told you, they won their homecoming to hold, they held off Norfolk State. And Tennessee State had on their all black uniform. Mm. Nice look. They host Lincoln, California, which is, uh, winless so that should be another win for ts the old tsu tigers alabama state beat jackson state 24 19 on jackson state's homecoming Mm. you know you think you win homecoming but the teams this weekend i think were six and six in terms of home teams winning yeah. So let's see. Alabama State spoiled Grambling's homecoming win. Mm. And that was important for two reasons because if you look at the SWAC, the SWAC East, Florida State basically has that one. Florida They're A&M, 4 and 0. A&M. Florida AM, yes. Yeah. And they've beaten their two biggest competitors. But in the West, Prairie View is up three to one, and their loss to Grambling State becomes more inconsequential because they've beaten Southern State, Southern and Alcorn State. So, you know, they're in the driver's seat right now. Now we go to some more games, and we see that Edward Waters beat Tuskegee. Sorry, Monique. On a Hail Mary as time expires. Mm-hmm. So Tuskegee, that was Tuskegee's first loss in conference. Mm. And, you know, Edward Waters, you know, for their first year being in SIC are doing fairly well. Mm-hmm. Texas Southern defeated Bethune-Cookman in an interdivision rival. 
rivalry, 34 to 31. Virginia Union overwhelms yeah. Bowie State. And they won by over 40 points in that game. Yeah. And Virginia Union is rolling. I don't know if they will play Benedict this year, but that would be a darn good game, both of them being – well, Virginia Union is 5-2, but uh, Virginia State is 5-0. and oh. Jim, I'm sorry. Virginia yeah. has that running back, Byerson, who ran over 1,200 yards or 1,100 yards last year. He's a heck of a player. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's see. We had another a story that's not being reported. The St. Augustine football coach was ousted. Mm. He was 0-7. But he came out and said that uh, – they said he was let go because he played two ineligible players, but mm. he said it was a lapse on his part, but he also said that they were practicing on concrete because the school would not get them any place to practice. A funding issue. And funding issue. Yeah, some of the issues, they, fa- they failed to pay a laundry bill for uniforms and the ab- inability to afford campus visit for recruits, and there was no full-time athletic trainer. So stay tuned on what happens there. That's a sad story. <laughs> yeah. That you had to practice. on. They finally found a field somewhere on the school grounds that they were able to use. Mm-hmm. Now, Division uh, One, top 10 teams. We had, some, we had a great game between uh, Oregon and Washington. Which Washington defeated thirty six to thirty three, defeated Oregon, Georgia, and Michigan. Ohio State are one, two, and three. Florida State, Washington, Oklahoma, and Penn State, rounding out the unbeaten's with the top seven. Texas is number eight. Oregon and North Carolina rounds out the top ten with Alabama just outside. You know, you have seven undefeated teams right now, ranked one through seven. So it's going to be interesting next four weeks to see who can come out of there unscathed. Mm-hmm. Now, our favorite team <laughs> in oh, the, uh, hey, I was out with some friends on Friday night, came home. It was 29 nothing. I said, yeah, let me watch a little bit of it. I mean, uh, uh, Colorado punted, had the ball down on the three. I said, oh, this is going to be over. Then they threw a slant that turned into a 97-yard touchdown. And it just kept coming and coming and coming. So they tied it, went into overtime. I think they both kicked a field goal. And Colorado had it first. Shadur threw an interception in the end zone. And Stanford went on to win the game by kicking a field goal as the game ended. You know, Dion said that, you know, he needed more dogs, especially on his offensive and defensive line. I just think they wore out. There was arguably the catch of the year where a young man from Stanford caught the ball in between Travis Hunter 
and carried him for about five yards into the end zone without dropping the ball. Jim, I think um, some things are happening with Colorado that's not necessarily Dion's fault. First of all, I understand that they had some of those players at halftime for Colorado who were texting folks in the locker room. That's when they were up 29-0 at halftime. And oh, boy. Yeah, Dion, Dion's not going to have that. You got to be focused the whole game. And I think that mm-hmm. they're going to have to realize that because they play for a famous coach, doesn't mean that his talent from his era necessarily makes uh, makes them the player. They have got to focus. And, uh, well, this may oh, be yeah. a wake up call. Let me put it that way. Let me put it that way. I hope, I hope so. I mean, their schedule is daunting. I mean, they still have UCLA, they still have Washington State, all ranked teams. Mm-hmm. I think they have Arizona. They do not play Cal. That would have been automatic. Well, can't say automatic with that. What happened with Stanford? But you know that would have been a game that they could win. But we'll see. I still think they're going to get to six and be able to play in a bowl. And that'll be a great season, sure. sure. Yes, it will. Coming from a one-win team to a bowl team. Mm-hmm. Now we go on to the NFL. Uh oh. We started out on <laughs> Go Jet. <laughs> started out on a Thursday with the Chiefs beating the Broncos. And Travis Kelsey caught a touchdown pass with his latest boo, Taylor Swift, in the stands watching. <laughs> now we'll see how it goes because her movie came out on Friday. And we'll see how long this romance lasts. A lot of people are speculating that this was a ploy done to uh, pub up her movie. But we shall see. Who knows? They might fall in love and have kids. I don't know. Now, starting out on another, another game in London again, the Ravens defeated the Titans 24-16, to where Titans quarterback Brian Tannehill was hurt. He had an ankle injury last year. It kept him out most of the season. He had that same ankle injury. The Lions were able to beat the Buccaneers 20 to 6. The Commanders, which after losing to the Bears last Thursday, were thought to, to be on a Watch for Ron Rivera's firing, but he turned it around and ended up beating the Atlanta Falcons 24-16 in Atlanta. The Bears went back to their bearish ways by losing to the Vikings 19-13. Bengals, with a healthier Joe Burrow, defeated the Seahawks 17-13. 49ers, thought to be the best team in the league. Lost to the Cleveland Browns, 19-17. Panthers lost to the Dolphins, 42-21. The Jaguars beat the Colts, 37-20. Texans beat the Saints, 20-13. The Patriots lost to the Raiders, 21-17. Bill Belichick is on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals lost to the Rams 26 to 9. And 
for my New York fans, the Jets defeated the last undefeated team, Philadelphia Eagles, 20 to 14. <laughs> I didn't I don't know if they were cheering. I didn't know if they were cheering or shrieking in shock. But before the game, Aaron Rodgers was throwing a ball without his boots, mm-hmm. getting the fans giddy, thinking that he may be able to come back at the end of the year. Hmm. On, on, Monday, on Sunday night, the Giants, the game I was watching. Oh, my goodness, my boys. Lost to the yeah. – I yeah, you need to get some tonight. more booze on that one, but anyway. You know what? Forget y'all. Forget y'all, man. <laughs> the first half, they had the ball on the what, Jeff? Around it was inside the five-yard line. One yard line with fourteen seconds left. <laughs> and they ran a running play, got stopped. Incredible. Should have kicked the field. You could have kicked the field goal there. And then the same thing roughly happened at the end of the game. Yep. They had the ball on the one-yard line through an incompletion. They put a Pop Warner team <laughs> in, the, in the NFL this year. <laughs> the Cowboys All right. def- on Monday night, Renee, defeated That's the Chargers 20-17. to 17. <laughs> you know, I'm particularly upset about that game. I lost a fancy football game to my son by one point. Because uh, uh, Dak Prescott had some drops by his teammates. <laughs> mm. But I'll go over quickly my top five. I start out with, I would say the Jets, but no. I'm going to start out with the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles. It's number five. Okay. Kansas City, number four. Detroit, number three. The Dolphins, number two. And San mm. Francisco, even though they lost, number one. In terms of baseball, we've got some baseball. And, you know, this is a year that's been very odd because you've had three 100-win teams, Mm -hmm. all of which have buys in the playoffs, lose in the divisional round. The Dodgers, the Orioles, and the... Oh, boy. Forgot the other team, but three 100-win teams lose. Atlanta Braves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's unprecedented, but also what happens is, you know, instead of having a Los Angeles-Atlanta final and a Baltimore-Houston final, you have Houston and Texas. Mm-hmm. and Arizona and the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that Major League Baseball will do something, either adding more wildcard teams so there are no buys. Because in football, you use that buy to rest up. And in baseball, pitchers lose their edge because they're not playing pitching in any games. And if you look at all three of the, all three of the four teams that lost that had a buy, Houston won, but they were playing Minnesota, which doesn't count. And if you look at all three of those teams, their pitchers got rocked early. And they couldn't come back with it because they didn't have that. That tempo was off by sitting out. I've seen World Series is lost 
because teams have to sit out for a week, which makes no sense. Now, having said that, the Phillies are up on the D-backs one game to none, and the Rangers are 2-0 over Houston. And another fact that we have in baseball, Kim Ng, the first woman MLB GM in MLB history, leaves the Marlins. She refused, declined her option. Well, so I don't, I don't know if that means that she's got something up her sleeve or she just said it was time. Mm-hmm. But we wish her well. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Jim, great job. I know they get ready for the World Series. I'm just going to throw in a quick word. The NBA starts when? Today? October, no, next week. October 26. 26. All right. Get ready for the NBA. We're going to bring it all to you right here. Dr. Cliff Burton, friends. College basketball is here. Volleyball championships are here. Football season is here. We're going to continue to bring you the absolute very best in all the women's sports and HBCU athletics. And next week, we have special guests again. We have with us Reginald Dixon, attorney Reginald Dixon, who played football with Deion Sanders at Florida State under Bobby Bowden. But his son is also coming on the show. His son, Isaac Dixon, is a wide receiver for the Florida A&M Rattlers. And actually, he's playing as a grad student. They're in first place in the SWAT. And they're going to talk to us about why he wanted his son to go to an HBCU, even though... He was very successful as a football player and a student at Florida State. So that's going to be great. And then we have some more action coming next month. But I want you to spread the word. We're coming up on our first one-year anniversary of being on the air with Dr. Clifford and friends. And uh, continue to spread the word. Our show is getting downloaded over 910 times. And we're very proud of that since we've been on the air. And then we want to continue to bring some great stories to you and encourage great causes like tonight. FBCLG, the scholarship ministry. We want to thank Kristen Cole, the president, and Monique Travis, the vice president, and the great things and great work that they're doing. Let's give them another hand. We want to say thank you. As usual, we're going to roll over tonight, and we will see everyone back absolutely 168 hours from now. Spread the word. Thank you so much, everybody. That's Clifford and Friends. Good night, everybody. Monique. Crystal, thank you again. All righty.